guys and welcome back to the Lean of Plants podcast. I'm excited to bring you some science today. I'm excited to bring you some action steps for understanding why a plant-based diet is great for weight loss and then how you can actually utilize some of these concepts and apply them to your own diet. If you have been struggling with weight loss on a vegan diet, if you have been wondering why you still have a mum tum, even after going plant-based, or you did the 50-50 veggie challenge a few months ago and you haven't lost weight, then this is going to be the episode for you. This is the podcast for you. I'm stoked to have you here. What we're going to do today is we're going to dive into vegan weight loss explained, but really this translates into whole food plant-based weight loss explained because you can be a junk food vegan. We all know the kind of typical I'm vegan for the animals vegan and they're not the picture of health not saying that these two are necessarily tied but you know all the memes you know what I mean so we're gonna look at vegan weight loss explained a plant-based diet and why it has that edge and through there you're gonna actually see some of the ways that you're gonna be able to optimize your diet by utilizing, I think I said utilize and then use way too many times, but you're going to find some action steps. You're going to be able to put some of this into practice to get you losing weight. This is like the basics of weight loss. So stick around. But before we dive into that, here's a little bit of trivia. Okay, so this week in my town, I live in this tiny little town. It's called Whangarei in New Zealand. I know it's it sounds like F, but it's actually W-H. And this little town of mine, last week we had some crazy flooding. Like we had this crazy rain go through. It flooded a lot of the like lower town area um yeah there was like heaps and heaps of damage there's a big waterfall up where I live really close to where I live and the amount of water that actually went through there was insane they said that the flood was a one in or the amount of rain that we got in a really short amount of time one in 500 year occurrence and I'm kicking myself because that night I was like, okay, I'm going to go and drive around and I, I want to see this stuff, but I didn't want to get out of my car on my own at night. And I was listening to this great podcast. I was listening to the Ego Trap podcast, which Chef AJ recommended in the episode that I did with her. And it was such a good podcast that I was happy just driving around in the rain, could hardly see anything, which was kind of stupid. And there was all these roads blocked off because they were just flooded. Like some of the, some people were doing like bombs and stuff into big puddles on the side of the road the next day. It was crazy, crazy stuff. Not really related to any of that at all, but I feel like I've just had such a stressful week. And yeah, it's just one of those weeks where you feel like nothing's really going right. And it's not that you can put your finger on what's off. You just don't feel on your game. And the reason that I wanted to share that is that if this is you, if you're just feeling like you're having an off week or you're having an off month, I mean, I've had off years, honestly, uh, I, yeah, I just wanted to encourage you that that happens to everyone and it's okay to make some compromises when you're doing that. Like, it's okay to do things to get you to go to get through those kind of times. Last night, I was really not feeling it. I went out for like a tiny run with a friend of mine in the rain, came back and I was like, okay, I just cannot eat this mush that Nick made. Bless his heart. He's a, he's a, he's just a saint. He's amazing. He made this brown rice kind of stuff, but I was not feeling it. And so I just said, okay, Nick, I want to buy some 
Tom Car or Tom Yum, I can't remember which one is which. And so I got some Thai veggie kind of soup. I got some broccoli that I just cooked up and ate with that and I had some rice and it was just a way for me to yeah eat like a slightly higher calorie meal but and eat some takeout in my house which I've been trying not to do recently but it was a compromise to get me through what felt like just a really hard day and so as you go along this journey you're going to find those things like everything that I'm going to be sharing with you today these are ideals Right, But what really matters is that you form some kind of consistency over time. And that means that you make allowances for yourself where you're not like 100% perfect all the time. Because then you're kind of in this trap where when you fall, you do tend to fall quite hard. And this podcast that I was listening to, The Ego Trap, uh, it's got this kind of concept in there as well. You build up this expectation or people have this expectation of you. And it gets very, very hard to try anything because you will fail like failure is a very inevitable part of doing anything worthwhile at all I mean I don't fail watching Netflix (laughs) I'll, I'll do that I'm like a plus at watching Netflix but anything difficult it does require significant amount of effort and understanding that that's part of it is really really key to being able to move on so yeah I didn't have a great week if you're not having a great week we're in this together together to the end. I don't know why I said that. It probably sounds rude and offensive. Let's let's get into some actual science, guys. Okay, let's do it. All right. So when it comes to vegan weight loss and understanding vegan weight loss, before we're going to get into those specifics, it's important to understand that there always needs to be a calorie deficit when you are trying to burn fat. There is no fat loss that occurs anywhere without a calorie deficit unless you have had liposuction or you've cut off a fatty limb. There is this, it just doesn't happen, okay? It doesn't matter if you are over 40. It doesn't matter if you have got hypothyroidism. It doesn't matter if you have a high cortisol and that you're really stressed. It doesn't matter if you exercise or not. It doesn't matter how old you are, okay? It doesn't matter if you are postmenopausal. There is nothing that stops you needing a calorie deficit to lose weight. Does this mean that a calorie is a calorie? No. Does it mean that a calorie of peanut butter and a calorie of broccoli are absorbed and stored as fat exactly the same? No, it does not. But you you must be in a calorie deficit. And I've recently I've had quite a few people saying to me, I'm in a calorie deficit and I'm not I'm not seeing results. So I want to make this very, very clear for the people in the back. If you are not seeing results, there is only two options. If you are not burning fat in a calorie deficit, number one, you are not in a calorie deficit. The way you know you're in a calorie deficit is retrospective. What I mean by that is that you can look back a month ago and you can say, okay, because I have lost significant measurements on my stomach because I have lost three or four or five pounds and I'm looking more lean in the mirror. I feel completely different. I was in a calorie deficit over the past month. That's what you can say. All right. But if you've been tracking your calories for three days and it's telling you that you've got a 500 calorie deficit, you have no way of knowing whether that's accurate enough 
or not, whether you are actually putting, whether you are actually in a calorie deficit, whether what you've tracked is actually accurate until you've given it enough time for it to become apparent that you actually have seen have seen results like there is nothing more accurate than your own body and i'm going off on a little tangent even before i start this but it's so important to understand what a calorie deficit is a calorie deficit is where you consume less calories than your body needs And I want to stress this so incredibly much that a calculator is not necessarily going to tell you this for the, for the very simple reason that you are not a number. Okay. And I'm not saying that in some kind of really like a body positive, like really like generic. You are not a number, girl. You you are so much better than a number. I'm not saying it like that, okay? You can be a number in statistics, and I'm fine like that with that. But it, there are definitely individual fluctuations between how many calories you need. Now, one thing to be aware of when it comes to how many calories someone needs is that there is no instances documented that I have seen where this number is under... 1,100 calories. I'm going to link to a little chart. It's it's an awesome little chart and it's linked from a, um, it's, it was created based on a study which looked at over 600 people and their calorie needs to maintain their calories, right? So their, their maintenance calories. There are very, very few people under 1,200 calories in terms of their maintenance calories. I think there was like three out of 600. So most women will be sitting up around like the average is 2,400 calories. That's your maintenance. You won't lose weight. You won't gain weight. So that's taking into account people of all ages and it's taking into account um, people who are quite large and people who are quite small and petite. But there is very, very few people who will need to eat less than, say, 1,500 or even 16, 1,700 calories to lose weight. Very few, okay? So most people are going to be more needing about 800 calories. But the actual number is really irrelevant because you're not, it's not accurate. People when, even dietitians, even people who track all their calories and measure all their food, the how inaccurate they their reported calories are is that they will underreport by 40%. Okay, so this is this has like been shown in quite a lot of studies now. The underreporting of calories is massively high and it's massive margins. So I mean I don't really care who you are. You're probably not the exception to this. And this is why it's so much more important to take a view that you are going to reduce your calories as opposed to trying to hit a specific number. Because trying to hit a specific number every day, number one, it's not your number. Number two, it's not necessarily accurate or that your way of measuring, your way of actually determining whether you're hitting that, even the software that you're using, even I don't know if you guys have ever gone to My Fitness Pal and you get on there and you try and pick okay this item of food versus this item of food and there can be hundreds and hundreds of calories difference between the same weight same volume of food so if there's that variation in it how do you know that what you're doing is accurate even on labels of foods there can be a 20% difference in the reported amount of calories and the whatever it is if that's like a bag of popcorn of 
um, some kind of kettle corn, the amount of calories could be 20% higher or 20% lower. Like that's the amount of error that is allowed by food labeling companies. So I just wouldn't trust it, guys. It's not helpful. I've seen this quite a few times now and I've experienced this myself. If calorie counting was the answer to dieting, we'd all be slim by now because calorie counting has been around a really, really long time time okay so I hope that this has convinced you a little bit that you really need to understand how to lower your calories as opposed to hit a specific number because that's just not going to be super helpful for you so calorie deficit is always needed this does not mean that you need to know a number but you do need to reduce your calories so that you get into a calorie deficit I mean that's what I teach in lean with plants it's all about how to get into a calorie deficit how to know that you are in a calorie deficit and the best practices for actually finding what that is for you because it it is specific and some people can eat uh, greater amounts of processed food some people are not going to be able to do that which sucks I think we should um, get rid of those people because it's not fair right anyway moving on so the three things that are so key with vegan weight loss and plant-based weight loss after we look at needing a calorie deficit What is so awesome about a whole foods plant-based diet is something called calorie density. So calorie density is the weight and volume. Actually, it's the weight, okay? It's the weight of a specific food and how many calories are in it for that weight. So we tend to talk about this in terms of pounds if you're a scientist, you'll be looking at it in terms of grams, but there is massive uh just massive difference in how calorie dense, how many calories per pound there are in different foods. So a pound of vegetables is about 100 calories. Okay, very, very little. Like I, I challenge you to go and weigh a pound of raw vegetables. Like there is a lot of food there. Whereas a pound of olive oil or any kind of oil sits at around four thousand calories so you go weigh that out and you look at that's 40 times the difference in food so what this translates to and why this matters for weight loss is that we're all eating a pretty consistent volume of food or a pretty consistent poundage of food okay so if you can reduce the amount of calories per bite which is reducing the calorie density of the food that you're eating then you're reducing your overall calories okay so if you take a bite of that vegetable that you've just weighed out then you're going to be getting however many calories per teaspoon but if you were to chop that vegetable up fry it up with some of that oil and add some vegan cheese in there for the same bite of food how many more calories did you have probably hundreds more so the calorie density is really really key for reducing your calories this is so important that you understand this and that you're able to keep if you needing if you need to to reduce the calorie density of what you're eating so that you can keep losing weight as well so we're, because we're eating a similar volume and a similar weight of food every day Uh, for most people that's around three to four pounds of food a day so you can effectively cut your calories in half from about 3,000 to 1,500 
calories without necessarily cutting portion sizes. This is something that researchers did in a group of people. So 3,000 to 1,500 calories without cutting portion sizes is insane. And this is why a whole foods diet, whole foods plant-based diet is so a cut above every other diet because it relies so heavily on calorie dilute foods vegetables, whole grains, potatoes, rice, in terms of how they relate and how they compare to other processed foods or fats or oils, meats, cheeses, all of these kind of things, they are very low in calorie density. So you can really eat a lot of these kind of foods. You can actually eat more than what you're eating now and still lose weight because you've reduced your calories and you've gotten into a calorie deficit finally. And we've got strong evidence now that high calorie density diets do go hand in hand with weight gain. So it's not about how much you're eating. It's not about whether you're cutting your portion sizes or not. It really is about what you're eating. And it's the pinnacles of the plant-based kingdom. Things like your broccoli, like your greens, your kale, all of these lower calorie whole foods that come in and beat out the rest because they're so low in calories, but they're also so high in nutrients. So cutting portion sizes is going to reduce calories, but it doesn't reduce calorie density. And this is another reason, just another reason that it's not necessarily going to be helpful for you to calorie count. Because when you're calorie counting, you're fixated on hitting a number. And the way that most people do this is through cutting their portion sizes rather than diluting the calorie density of the foods that they're eating. So when you're cutting portion sizes, this generally is going to lead to hunger, which oftentimes results in binging. And one of the other things that can happen is that you're simply not getting enough nutrients. Because if you are just reducing the volume of food that you're eating and you're not including more calorie dilute, uh, really nutritious foods like veggies, like whole grains, all of these other things, then you can miss out on vital nutrients. And that's one of the dangers of portion cutting for trying to lose weight. There's this crazy study in Hawaii where researchers put people on a traditional Hawaiian diet. So pre lots of processed foods. They could eat all that they wanted. They had like this plant-based buffet. And I just want to know, where the heck am I when they are giving out Hawaiian plant-based studies where you get to eat whatever you want and you are in Hawaii? Like, where the heck am I when this is going on? They lost an average of 17 pounds in 21 days. What? They cut their calories by 40% and not because they were eating any less food. They were actually eating more food than before. And the thing that I like about this is that they actually maintained a lot of that weight loss. And you don't see that very often in weight loss studies. Like the more I've looked into this, the more shocking it is how many people will not maintain any kind of weight loss. Whereas on a plant-based diet, using calorie density, increasing the volume of food, increasing the quality of the food, not the not reducing the quantity, people tend to keep the weight off. This is very encouraging from a statistical standpoint, and it's rare. So the next time you want to start obsessing about how many calories you're eating in a day, instead, I truly encourage you to shift your focus to calorie density. 
all right remember you can cut your calories in half without even trying to control how much food you're eating simply by swapping and diluting the calorie density of your meals if you want to know how to do this come and join lean with plants this is what lean with plants one of the things lean with plants is all about it's the fundamentals of sustainable weight loss so if you do not know how to do this for you then if you want to see progress and you want to keep that progress off when you get there come and join don't let anything hold you back from doing that so on a practical way, what are the first steps to doing it? There's a, it's a combination of lowering the high calorie food, lowering that those foods that are very high in calories per pound, things like added oils, added fats. Um, if you're eating any kind of processed food that is high in added fats like fake meats and all those kind of things, they are going to be really, really high in calories. Likewise, any refined carbohydrates, any flowers, any uh, crackers, anything that's been dried at all because it's had the water taken out of it. Basically, any processing turns something that may have been less in calories to start with and it turns it into something that is much, much higher in calories. With the exception of nuts, which are already quite high in calories, definitely very good for you. I I do recommend eating nuts, but I eat them in small amounts and I, again, I try and eat whole food nuts. So that's not nut butters. That's actually things like a raw almond, which is definitely not as appealing. But I don't eat a lot of those, okay? But most people, are they're not overweight because they're eating too many raw almonds. 99.9999% of people, when they get a realistic look at what they're doing, hashtag real talk, it's because there's too many vegan Twinkies on the side. I don't know why, I think of, I come up with these like generic American sounding foods and I don't really know what there is in America because I haven't been there because I'm a hillbilly from New Zealand. And so I just say things like Twinkies and Oreos because it's what I know. But you guys get the picture. It's really the high calorie, high processed foods that are the issue for most people. So again, when you're thinking about how do I reduce the calorie density, one of the ways that you do that is increasing the low calorie foods because that's going to push out some of the high calorie foods. So increasing the amount of veggies. Increasing the amount of potatoes and rice and whole grains and replacing your bread with some brown rice. Eating more broccoli. Guys, I eat probably three heads of broccoli a day. Okay, it's because it's what I get my hands on. It's easy, it's quick. And I have been able to lose 40 pounds and keep them off. Okay, so if if you've reduced them and you are... Like, okay, I'm following your advice. I've reduced the added oils. I don't really have a lot of nut butters. I eat really healthy and you're still not losing weight. Maybe you've done the 50-50 plate. You're still not losing. You still have to be in a calorie deficit for you. Okay, you, you can do all these things and still not be in a calorie deficit. It's rare. Most of the time when people are doing this, their issue is that their meals are on point or their meals are too low in calories and then they get they get hungry and they binge or they're just not consistent. 
So really take a good look whether that is your issue. If you're not losing weight, look at your consistency. Maybe take some photos and write a food journal for a couple of weeks to make sure that it, it's not that your meals are the issue. It really is um, your consistency. But if not, remember, like, you've you got to still be in a calorie deficit for you. And that's going to look different for some people. Remember, again, we talked about that number. Don't go whinging to someone and say, hey, I'm in a calorie deficit, but I'm not losing weight. I'm doing, I'm following Plentiful Kiki or I'm eating exactly the same foods as Chelsea and I'm not still losing weight. You've got to reduce your calories from where you are now. And that's going to look different for every person. So understand that that's part of it, okay? So the thing that changes the calorie density of a food the most is water content. So veggies like broccoli or most kind of green veggies are about 95% water. And that's why they're so low in calories because they're pretty much water. They're not actually really high in fiber. They're definitely higher in fiber than something that has had fiber removed. But in terms of other whole foods, which are genuinely high in fiber like beans, they are relatively low. But so when you're thinking about whether something is high in calorie density or low in calorie density, ask yourself how much water you think has in it. So a vegetable, a lettuce, has a massive amount of water. Something like an apple, again, like quite a lot of water in it, relatively low in calorie density. Whereas something like a oil has zero water at all, something like a cracker or dry, even popcorn. Volume-wise, it's low in calories for a cup, but calorie density-wise, because it's so it's so light, the amount of calories per pound is actually reasonably high. So things to be aware of, the more naturally, or the more closer to nature, the closer to nature a food is, and the more water has been left in it, the more calorie dilute it will most likely be. Alrighty, so the second thing that beats all other diets out of the park, which is going to really help you in your weight loss journey on a whole foods plant-based diet is fiber. So fiber is magic. Guys, people worry so much about where they get their protein and whether people are getting enough protein on a vegan diet. Do you know how many times I've been asked, where do I get my fiber? Or am I getting enough fiber on a vegan diet? None. Like no one asks about fiber. Do you know the amount of people or the amount of Americans that get the recommended amount of fiber? Like less than 3% of Americans get the recommended, the minimum recommended amount of daily fiber. Fiber is vital for your health and it is super important when it comes to weight loss. So what exactly is fiber? So fiber is like the tough parts of plants. It's the fibrous strands or whatever you want to call them, parts that aren't actually able to be digested. So because they're not digested, they pass through you. It means any of the calories that are inside them, or most of them at least, are not going to be absorbed. So fiber adds bulk and it adds weight without adding calories. So there's some other like really cool mechanisms that come with increasing your fiber intake. And it's really not just to keep you regular. Okay, this is, I mean, even that in itself is a great thing, but fiber is so much more important than just helping you poop. Okay, so the our gut flora, little creatures that live in our gut, they are 
a massive part of the ecosystem of our bodies. They are crucial. Actually called the forgotten organ organ because they are really metabolically active. They affect our metabolism and a lot of things to do with weight loss a lot. So there actually, there's actually a lot going on there. I'm not going to get into it too much because it's complex and I want to do a whole episode one time on fiber. But they're quite heavy all up. They can be as heavy as one of our kidneys, which is crazy. And they actually live on the fiber. So they digest the fiber that we don't. That's their fuel source. And when they eat this, they actually produce something which is called short-chain fatty acids. And I know it sounds kind of negative because it has the word fatty in it. But these are incredibly helpful For you, they have so many different functions in the body. They help to regulate appetite, metabolism, and actually body fat as well. And there's so many other things that um, short-chain fatty acids do that are beneficial to your body. So fiber is crucial that you're actually producing these short-chain fatty acids or that your gut microbiome are eating the fiber and that they are producing these short-chain fatty acids. So not only is this uh, is this um, this acid that they produce, not only is that really important and it's really regulatory. Uh, what fiber does as well is it also crowds out calories. So when you're eating something which has the fiber kept into it, then you are not going to be eating as you're going to be eating way less calories than if you were eating something that had the fiber removed. So if you think of it like a pie chart, if you, no, the bad example, I'm going to start again. If you think of having something like apple juice, it's had the fiber removed from it. You are going to drink that down. There's hardly any, there's no fiber in that. How long is that going to take to go through you? But how many calories does it have? So the same weight in an apple has got all of this fiber in it. So you're not eating as many calories. You're simply not going to be absorbing as many of the calories because you've got this added element in there, which is calorie free or, or close to calorie free at least. And you also absorb less calories. Okay. So some of these, some of the calories in the actual food itself get walled up in the fiber and then they can block fat and starch absorption. So you only will absorb the calories that actually come in contact with your intestine. They have to come in contact with your intestinal wall. So if you've got fiber in there, like let's imagine you're chomping up some bits of brown rice, something that's got like a bit of roughage to it. And you don't fully, fully chew that. No matter how much you chew it, you're not going to fully chew that. Some of the calories are stuck in the fiber. And because the fiber is this tough part that's not broken down, remember it passes through us, you're not actually absorbing all of the calories. That's going through you. So if you eat a cup of brown rice, for example, you're not getting all of the calories that you eat from that. Again, another reason calorie counting is not the answer because you could conceivably be getting a lot less calories and you do, or you get a few less calories. Exact numbers are a bit harder to um, determine. I think per gram of carbohydrates, if it comes with like a high fiber food, typically they say that one gram of carbohydrates is about four calories. I think when it's with fiber, they say it's about 3.8. So small differences there, 
but definitely adds up over time. It also blocks off some of the calories from the other food that you're eating as well. Like if you're eating something that is higher in calories, that has less fiber, but you're eating that with fiber, then you're also going to wall off some of those calories and not absorb all of them. So there's a study that was done and they basically showed that if you drink a third of a cup of oil on a high fiber diet, then you'll poop out twice as much of the fat as you would if you'd have consumed that on a low a low fiber diet. This is crazy because even eating, say, celery, for example, with peanut butter, you are not going to be absorbing as much of the fat from peanut butter were you to eat that just on its own. That's insane. I can't believe that. But fiber is crazy and it's like this magical super thing that helps keep you full. You don't absorb as many calories. One thing that is really cool is that fiber acts as this gelling agent. So the water in your food that you're eating, that kind of gets trapped in your stomach. And part of what helps with this is fiber. Think about something like porridge or oatmeal. It goes to this kind of jelly consistency. And that happens in your stomach as well. And it actually slows the filling of your gut, of your stomach. And that means that it keeps you fuller for longer because it traps this water in there. So it's vital. It's vital that you're actually eating fiber. High fiber foods are things like beans, whole grains. uh, I said beans. What else is high fiber? Obviously vegetables and fruit do have some fiber, but they're not typically high fiber foods. Potatoes and sweet potatoes do have a bit um, more fiber than fruits and veggies as well. Another thing that fiber does is that it helps to actually curb your hunger. So there's something that is called the ileal break. The ileal sits like close to your colon and when undigested food is detected there, there's actually a mechanism that helps to shut off your hunger or not shut off your hunger, but curb it. And so when people have this undigested food and they drip it directly on their colon or directly on their, like the ileal, imagine how they do that. Imagine how you directly drip undigested food on there kind of gross not something that I'd sign up for like send me to Hawaii to eat the vegan buffet but I don't want to I don't want to do the ileal break experiment with some kind of stick up my bum anyway this can help people feel full on 200 calories less food so what they do is they they give people this treatment and they have to do it covertly as well so even people who aren't getting it are going to have it so that they can they can um, rule out any kind of like placebo effects or what people think is uh, like they're, they're getting something different to anyone else. Like it's really complex and it's really important that people do studies well. Like there's well-designed studies to actually tease out results. But then you take people to a buffet, what they did in the study, they took people to a buffet and they actually felt full on 200 calories less food. The people that have had the um, the undigested food dropped onto it trapped on drips not trapped oh my gosh dripped onto their ileal so there's lots of mechanisms that help to curb your hunger and regulate your metabolism and contribute to a whole foods high fiber plant-based diet as the best diet for weight loss and if you want to know more about this i probably will do a podcast episode on it at some point send me a message or send me an email telling me you'd want me to do that because that's going to be a lot of work from me, but I think it will be worth it. 
The third key mechanism or advantage that you have in a whole foods plant-based diet when it comes to losing weight is that this tends to be a high carbohydrate diet, a high unrefined carbohydrate diet and naturally lower in fat, which is really an advantage when it comes to weight loss. So eating a low fat diet of say 20% calories coming from fat compared to 40% calories coming from fat. And one of the things that people notice is that they actually started moving more. So this affected, this is just one way that it affected their energy output. So they were actually burning more calories. The high fat diets in some studies, they actually started moving less. So calorie wise, it was the difference in walking about two miles extra a day for these people on a high fat, a high carbohydrate, low fat diet. There's lots of studies that show that a high carbohydrate, low fat diet, I'm not going genuinely low fat because some diets will compare say 40% of calories from fat to like 45% of calories from fat. Some really like, and then they'll call that high fat versus low fat. So there's some interesting things to be aware of there, but in studies where there's a genuinely high fat diet and a genuinely low fat diet, they look at weight loss. Weight loss is more. There is more weight loss that occurs over, say, a period of a week on a high fat diet, but there is more fat loss on the low fat diet. Okay, so do you understand what that means? You lose more water more quickly on a high fat diet, and you lose a bit more muscle on a high fat diet than you would on a low fat diet but you burn more fat same amount of calories guys so the calorie deficit conceivably would be the same okay so if everyone's eating this isn't a study that had everyone eating 800 calories but people lost significantly more body fat so it's irrelevant whether you lose water weight what matters is whether you are losing actually a lot of time it's not a good thing But if you are able to hijack or enhance the amount of fat that you lose, this is so beneficial. And high-carb diets do beat out low-carbohydrate, high-fat diets. So a plant-based diet is naturally lower in fat, especially when that's whole foods, because it's just harder to get your hands on these high-fat Uh, components of a whole foods plant-based diet and those are things like nuts nuts are the highest fat foods on a whole foods plant-based diet and oils oils are not a whole food so the other thing that happens with fat is that it's stored directly as fat whereas carbohydrates they take much more energy to store as fat and they're going to be first stored as glycogen and guys i don't really want to go into this really really deeply because it is complex and I'd rather do like a podcast on it. And I think it can, I talk about this a lot more in depth in Lean of Plants and I've got pictures and graphs and all these kind of things. But the important thing to come away with is that when pitted calorie for calorie, people on low fat diets, they do lose more fat for the same amount of calories. The other thing to understand is it's much harder to gain fat from excess carbohydrates than excess fat just because of the way these two are stored and how they are stored differently. There's a few more processes to store carbohydrates as fat and that takes energy for your body to do that. So that's calories lost in the process than it is to store fat directly as fat because I mean fat is fat. 
comes into your body, it gets stored as fat, whereas carbohydrates have to go to through a different process. So there's a study called the Vermont Prison Study, and they overfed men to try and get them to gain weight. So to get them to gain the same amount of weight, it took a hundred thousand extra calories from carbohydrates to get the same weight gain as 40,000 calories from a mixed diet. So what this means is that they had to feed them so much more food, three time, more than three times as much food from carbohydrates to get them to gain the same amount of weight as they did from a mixed diet, so a, a fat and carbohydrate diet. So a low-fat diet is going to be much, much more effective for not only getting you to lose weight, but also maintaining your weight. So a calorie deficit is vital for weight loss, right? But a calorie is not going to be equal to a calorie. And I hope that you guys have been able to see how this is the case. I talk about calories a lot, <laughs> But there are so many complex factors that goes that go into this. And if you're starting your journey, if you're like, okay, this all sounds great, but I don't know where to start, focus on the calorie density side of things. Focus on unrefined carbohydrates. Things like your vegetables, your rice and your beans and potato. I personally love sweet potato and I eat it most days. This is going to be life-changing for most people and you can always reduce and adjust over time as well. I want you to think of it a little bit like this. When you're thinking about needing a calorie deficit but not all calories being equal. So money is money, right? So you have to spend less than what you earn to save money. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter where you come from or how much money you actually make. But your time on the other hand is very different. Your time Whoever you are, Susie, is very different to Elon Musk. Okay, his 40 hours a week, or he, I'm, I'm sure I've seen a quote where he's done, he does like 100 hours or something. It does not equal the same amount of output. It does not, it is not worth the same amount of money. Even, but even for both of you, you're going to need to spend less than you make. So whoever you are, Whatever your dieting history, however much weight you want to lose, whatever diet you decide to do, you are going to need to be in a calorie deficit. Utilizing a whole foods, plant-based diet, a low-fat diet that really understands calorie density and puts this into practice is going to be your best bet. But you are still going to need a calorie deficit. And if you're not losing weight, again, I've said, (laughs) it's either too early to tell. I don't know if I, I might have missed that out, but it's either too early to tell yet or you're not in a calorie deficit because that's how a calorie deficit works. Guys, I could talk about how a vegan diet increases your metabolism. I could talk about how greens and phycaloids help to reduce your cravings. I could talk about so many health benefits of a plant-based diet for weight loss. There has been entire books and libraries could be filled with this information. There is thousands and thousands of studies. My favorite book on the subject is How Not to Diet by Michael Greger. And this book was comprised from 40,000 studies. All right, these are the most basic ones. I hope that this episode has helped you. I hope that you really take a good look at your diet and just ask yourself, is it actually whole foods, plant-based diet? Because there's a lot of us vegan girls out here who are are saying that we're on a plant-based diet and there's just one too many cookies in there. So 
again, hope this was helpful for you and I will see you soon. I'll talk to you next week. Hopefully we don't have any more crazy flooding this week. I hope you guys have a really great week, weekend, all that stuff. Talk to you soon.